Hey everybody, it's T with Abduction Enigma Podcast. So this week we're going over the case of 1973, the Judy Doherty case, in which a young woman allegedly was abducted, but only half of them. You see, her body stayed in her car. By her consciousness or something else went up to the UFO. But this wasn't the only thing that did. With that being said, let's get it. Now this first case I'm going to cover is from the book The World's Greatest Alien Abduction Mysteries. We begin our story in May of 1973. Judy Dortry and four family members were driving near Houston, Texas. All five saw a bright light in the sky that appeared to follow the vehicle. Judy got out to stand next to the car to get a better look, but couldn't remember what happened next. Seven years later, she underwent hypnotic regression due to the annoyance of missing time. It was then that she recalled what had happened, and what ufologists call bilocational experiences. Victims seemed to be in two places at once. She seemingly was standing by her car and also aboard the UFO. The aliens used a beam of yellow light with what appeared to be spinning particles within it, in which to pick up a calf. The aliens then proceeded to mutilate the calf. They then used various body parts from the calf in order to check the spread of dangerous toxins. The aliens were your typical greys, bald head, grey skin, slit for a mouth, and large eyes. But the eyes were very odd. They had a cat-like slit for a pupil and yellow irises. They then apologized to Judy, as she had been half taken on board by mistake. But she then caught a glimpse of her daughter being operated on. But they assured her they meant neither to harm her nor her daughter. Now it should be noted that this is actually from an article, an abductee's account of a calf mutilation aboard an alien craft by Richard Boninfont in 2014. So this has some of the regression in it. And we're going to be covering most of that. Now, you can check out Linda Moulton Howe's book, but it's very expensive. You're not going to find it for anything less than like a hundred bucks. And honestly, I wouldn't recommend that you buy Alien Harvest by Linda Moulton Howe anyway. She has recently been called out for faking a couple alien pictures. One was a drawing of the game Area 51 that she tried to push as a real alien on the moon. Somebody took a picture of. And a couple other things. I mean, her validity has really gone downhill. So, please take that with a grain of salt. But this article is kind of all over the place. So he's obviously taking quotes from page 303 and then going to 312 and things like that so it's going to be a little mixed up now obviously i get it because he's trying to paint a picture so of course he's taking this portion of the section and then going into what relates to it which is quite tedious but also kind of helpful in this case now of course please bear with me because as you know i'm not good at Reading the regressions. I read it as is, all the little skips and beats. That's how it's written. So please bear with me on that. Now Judy was regressed by Dr. Leo Sprinkle. And you can find the transcript of that in The Alien Harvest by Linda Moulton Howe, who I'm not fond of, so I really wouldn't recommend the book. She's tried to fake quite a few things and been busted a lot for it recently, so... That being said, let's get into it a little bit. Now the people in the car with her was Judy herself, her daughter Cindy, her mother, and two in-laws. 
This was at night and they were leaving a bingo game. Now, upon her return home, Judy had some quotes about the light. It was like a large spotlight. Like they were looking for something. But it wasn't moving. It was stationary in the sky. Now, her brother-in-law that was in the backseat had his own thoughts in that it might be a helicopter on the way to the airport. But Judy did have doubts about that. I, for some reason, didn't think that it was a helicopter, and I kept turning and looking at it. And it would never change size. It stayed the same. I thought, if it's a helicopter, I'd be able to hear it. So I rolled my window down in the car, and I couldn't hear anything. She then got out of the car and looked at the light, stepped outside the car, and I could see like it had a fiber or had substance. It was a light, but it had substance. In a later session, Dr. Sprinkle again asked Judy to describe this enigmatic light. I see a light. It has substance, particles, and as I move closer, I can see it moving, moving, swirling. An animal is near the top, squirming, almost like being sucked in. Dr. Sprinkle then asks, any ropes or chains? No, nothing, nothing, said Judy. And it's being pulled? Yes, replied Judy, into the object. Yes, Judy replied again. Do you see an opening? asked Dr. Weirdle Sprinkle. No, I don't, said Judy. Do you see how it sets in there? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, I don't. And what kind of colors do you see as you're looking at the craft? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Judy replied, The light and the calf. Is the light a bright light? A dull light? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, it's a pale yellow. It's like a searchlight, but it wasn't bright. It wasn't like a light. It was different. It was a soft yellow light. Dr. Leo Sprinkle then asked about the animal within the light. A small animal? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. What kind of animal are you looking at? A baby calf, replied Judy. It's a baby calf? What color? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It's spotted. Brown. Like a brown and white. More brown than white. Okay. Any other distinguishing features? replied Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, said Judy. Now later on, we get into a dialogue that describes the actual cutting away of the calf's organs. It's taken into some sort of chamber. It's a little round tiny room. And I get nauseated at watching how they excise parts. It's done very quickly. But the calf doesn't die immediately. For some reason, the calf's heart isn't taken. I don't know. It seems like it's still living. And that upset me very much. And then she sighs. And then I can see the calf being lowered. Like it's being dropped back down. And when it's on the ground, it's dead. I can see that it's not moving. But I feel very sick to my stomach at what I just witnessed. And then I can see different sections. Okay. Let yourself relax. Let yourself see the section described. And what happens next? Said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They work very quickly. For some reason, it has to be done right away. They take the probes and insert them into different areas. It made me nauseous. But the way they did it, it was like precision. Like they were very snappy about their movements and knew exactly what they were going to do. I felt a little better because I, for some reason, they projected that it was necessary that this be done, you know? That it was for our betterment, for the betterment of mankind that this was done. That they were more or less watching out for us. 
So you felt better when you had that impression? said Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. Okay, what happens next? I can see the animal being cut up. You see the animal being cut up? Yes, replied Judy. How is it being cut up? Judy then replies, dissected. With knives? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Instruments of some kind, said Judy. Can you describe the instruments? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They're like a knife, but they have different kind of handles. More like a razor. It doesn't have movable parts, but like a straight razor type. And there's long tubes, and they take samples. And I can see stuff running through the tubes, but I don't know where it goes. Are the samples from the body of the animal? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. Is the animal dead? And you can see the samples moving from the body through the tubes? Yes, Judy replied again. But you don't know where the tubes lead to? replied Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No. Okay, what else is happening? replied Dr. Leo Sprinkle. There's basins. They look like basins. But I don't know what they are. They're scooped out. Like scooped out areas. I don't know if it's like a drain. It's not a drain because there's no hole. But there's some sort of basin. I don't know what they are. Are these basins near the body? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, there's several of these basins. It's like scooped out areas. I don't know if it's a basin. It's just the only thing I know that it looks like. How many scooped out areas can you see? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. A whole bunch of them. Probably five or six. Anything in the scooped out areas? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No. They're very immaculate and very clean. But there's blood. Like tubes. That's got blood. That's going somewhere. And other substances. It looks like something else. I don't know what it is. It's leading in different directions. And there's... For each basin, there's a little tube leads to different places. Are the basins around the body or alongside of the body? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. There's a flat area between each basin, and there's pieces of each thing by each basin. Pieces of instruments or pieces of the body? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Different parts. And how did the different parts of the body get there? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know. I just see them there. You just see the parts of the body there? And do you see the tubes? But you don't see where the tubes are connected? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, replied Judy. Just describe the body as it lays there. What features can you see? A small animal? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, said Judy. Okay, what happens next? Just describe the body as it lies there. What features can you see? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle again. I just see like tissue, like a tongue, and like the insides. And it's like it's been sliced and dissected. Okay. What else can you see? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Eyes and testicles, replied Judy. Are the eyes and testicles in the same basin? No, replied Judy. Different basins? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. What do you see in the other basins? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know what it is, it's just tissue said Judy. Now, if you'll just hold on to that image right there, and look carefully at the basins, you can stop 
just like a photograph. Now, you'll be able to carefully look, and if you like, just start from wherever it is that you're comfortable to start from. Start from the left and see what's in front in the first basin, and then just from one of the basin to the next and see what you see, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. There's tissue. It's laid out nice and smooth. It glistens, and there's needles in it, or what appears to be like needles. It may be probes, I don't know, but it has a tube connected to it, and the same thing with what appears to be testicles. I can't tell. It's a probe, or a needle, or something inserted in the tube, tube leading. The same with the eye, and the tongue. The tongue is cut, but it's not cut lengthwise. But this way, up and down. She motions with her hands on the arm of the chair, slicing in the air and up and down. Up and down, said Leo Sprinkle. After a long pause, Judy says, I don't know where the tubes go. Okay. Can you see anything else in the basins? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know if they're basins. I can't really tell what they are. It's just like a scooped out area. Kind of a hollow area? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. Okay, hold on to that image now. And just let yourself relax. Let yourself be aware of how this is being done. How are these actions being done, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. After a long pause, Judy said again, I don't know. How are the needles being inserted into the tissue, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It was already there, said Judy. It was already there? The tubes were already there, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, said Judy. So you have an image of these things happening. But they were already happening before you can see these basins or hollowed out areas, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. And Judy replied, yes. We then start a new portion of dialogue. They're working very quickly and whatever it is, it happens very quickly. They, it has be done very quickly or it loses something, I don't know. But I see them working very quickly, moving and putting things into the tissue. And they have readings or something. They like flash. Something is flashing when the readings are conducted, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It's like flashing light and they can tell by visualizing. It's like a pivot turn. They look at it very quickly and move to the next one. And they're working very quickly. And where do you see the flashing lights? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It's like in a... where the tubes are. Right close to where they go into the whatever it is they go into. How does it look? Can you describe the lights? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It's like a row of them. Down. It and back. Down it and back. Different colored lights? Or some colored lights? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Like an amber color, replied Judy. Are they like buttons or panels? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It's on a panel. But it may be a whole lot of lights, and it goes from one to the another. Like up and down, like a scale. Can you see anything else? Like a number or figures? Letters? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, replied Judy. Any other knobs or apertures or features? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. 
it's like they can very quickly project something. I don't know what it is. It's like a movie screen. But it's not a movie screen. But they can project something there. If they want to see it. Said Judy. We then move on to her describing the aliens. Dr. Leo Sprinkle starts by saying, Okay, just let yourself focus on what's happening inside the craft. Be aware of who is around you. It's okay. And describe who is standing around you. There's a very long pause, at least 45 seconds before Judy decides to speak again. It appears to be two little men. Two little men. Okay. How do they look? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They look... Their hands look funny. They have long claw nails, like... And large heads. Long claw nails, and... Their hands and heads are large. Yes, replied Judy. The bodies are small, you say? Yes, replied Judy. Smaller than a child's body? Or small man or woman? Like a midget, said Judy. Like a midget. How tall? How tall are they? Probably three foot, said Judy. Three feet. And their bodies are thin or stocky? They're thin, replied Judy. Other features about their bodies? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They have a bodysuit on. I can see part of their skin. They look... You can almost see like... Like you could almost see through it. It's pasty looking and thin. Like if you would touch it, it might pop. The skin seems thin, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. Which part of the body can you see the skin? I can see it on their head and their hands. Their hands? Any place else? No, replied Judy. The boy suit runs from the hands up to, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It covers their head. But you can see on their forehead where it looks like if you touched it, you would go through their skin. Like it was very thin. Very thin and fragile? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, and very light. The color of the skin? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle, inquiring for further description. Very light, very white looking like a pasty looking. Pasty color white? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. How about the color of the bodysuit? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. After a pause, Judy says, Gray, I guess. Gray? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It was a dark color, said Judy. A dark color. Any decorations on the suit? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No. It looks like it was made on them. Any labels or buckles? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, I didn't see any. Shoes? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They were just like a slip-on shoe. Like you would wear in a hospital. Come up over the ankles. Any different color? Was it all the same color? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. A lighter color, I think. Because I noticed they were different from the suit. Any jewelry or rings on the fingers? You say the fingers were long. Yes, they were curved. Curved, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. And they had very long nails, said Judy. Long nails. Were the nails colored? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They were dark. Almost like an animal's nails. What about other features? Shoulders? Did you notice shoulders? 
asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Very small. Like their bone structure wasn't very... wasn't very good or very strong. How about elbows? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, I didn't notice that, said Judy. Knees? No, I didn't notice if they bent. How about the facial features? Had very, very large eyes. They were piercing and frightening. Dr. Leo Sprinkle then asked, any color of eyes? At this point, Judy shrugs and smiles. I don't know. It's almost like they were transparent. But you could see the, just like a cat. You could see the lines that went around, like a gray color. They didn't blink like we did. They didn't have eyelids. Okay, Judy, you're doing fine. Now just focus once more on the features of the small beings, the small men. Describe once more their facial features. They have very large eyes. They're very hypnotic. Like they're so big that and they don't blink. Their eyes not blink. It's almost like, I guess, a snake. If they don't blink, I don't see them blinking. If they had a nose, I didn't notice. If they did, it was very small. But I, not, I did not see a mouth. And their skin is very light. And it looks thin, looks pasty. Any chin, replied Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, they have a very small chin, rather pointed. They have a very, I think the pupils are very, very large. Something about the eyes are very, very different. Other than them being big, there's something almost like they change. They go in, out real fast like this she folds her fingers and then spreads them out repeating the gesture several times I don't know said Judy what about the movements are they slow or fast movements they pivot they are very quick with their work but they appear to pivot more than kind of like on the heel. They'll swing rather than like we might turn slowly or take two or three steps to turn. It seems like they pivot. Now this section is a different section about mental communication or telepathy. Dr. Leo Sprinkle starts by saying, and do they verbalize? Do they talk? No, replied Judy. They talk, but not with their mouth. You can hear them, and they talk with an accent. They talk like someone talking through their nose, holding their nose and talking. And they talk in a higher pitch, but it has a funny sound to it. A nasal quality? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. A nasal quality? But it was kind of a Chinese sound. Not a whole lot, but... Dr. Leo Sprinkle then interrupts and says, You mean like sing-song? Yeah, kind of, replied Judy. In a higher pitch? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, and sped up. But you hear it in English? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes. Is it in American? Yes. Are they common phrases that you hear? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No. I mean, they talk sometimes. They said to me that I wasn't supposed to be here, but... How did they say? Just by the tone that I was not supposed to be there. It was not those words. But I knew when they said what they said that I was not supposed to be there. Okay, now just picture yourself standing there, 
You're inside now. And there are two of them. Is that right? Or is there more? C2. You're standing there and they're saying to you somehow that you know you're not supposed to be there? Yes, replied Judy. It's an accident that you're there? Or on purpose? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, unfortunate for me, replied Judy. Okay, Judy. Maintain this deep concentration, this deep relaxation. Let yourself go back in time. Go back to the experience. Feeling yourself there with the two beings. The two little men. Seeing yourself in communication with the two beings. The kind of comments, the kind of impressions, the kind of information that is being given to you. How do they communicate with you? Mentally, replied Judy. They're communicating mentally. Okay. Do you ask questions of them? Yes, replied Judy. And they respond? Inquired Dr. Leo Sprinkle. When they feel a need to respond, they will. Otherwise, they ignore me. Or just make me feel stupid for asking questions. It's almost as if they don't they don't think I should even be asking questions. That I wouldn't understand even if they told me the answers. They treat you as if you are a child, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Judy replied, yes. Or someone who is not intelligent as they are? Yes, replied Judy. But it's okay for you to be here and ask questions, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They answer questions like through, no, they won't directly answer my questions, they're, they'll be doing something and I might ask a question, and they say, they'll point out things to me like on a screen, or a, in scope, or something, and say, see what's happening? See what they're doing? Now this next section we go to... It's very common with abductees, as we find, which is the idea of environmental contamination or a warning of devastation to come, usually at man's hands. Dr. Leo Sprinkle begins by saying, Okay, now be aware of the communication which you are receiving from the men. Do they give you information about who they are, where they're from? And what their purpose is? What information do they give you? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. It's like if we continue like we are now, it's going to involve not only us, but possibly others. And they're trying to stop something that could cause a chain reaction and maybe involving them. I don't know. Did they say what kind of chain reaction? Said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No. Only that it involves... We're not the only ones to be concerned. Do they say who else is involved? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No. Do they talk about their origins? Or where they're from? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. That they're stationed here, replied Judy. Here? I don't know. On Earth? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know. Or Texas. Or the U.S. Any other information about their purpose and their activities? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They're testing to see how far along this whatever it is. It's going to cause a lot of problems regardless. Or even if it was stopped right now. There are going to be a lot of people who die because it's already contaminated the water. It's in the water. So they talk about contamination, pollution, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes. They talk as if it's some kind of poisoning? Yes. It is poisoning. There's no doubt. It is poisoning. And do they say what will happen if the poisoning continues? Only that there will be a big loss of life. Talking about... And then Judy interrupts, saying, 
greater than what there already will be. Dr. Leo Sprinkle, intrigued, asks, Vegetable? Animal? Human lives? Only to be met with Yes by Judy. Do they say whether they're from this planet or from other place and just stationed on this planet? Judy responds to say, I ask them. They respond that I wouldn't know anyway. It seems insignificant to them when I ask them. They just shrug it off like it doesn't matter. What other questions do you ask? asked Leo Sprinkle. I ask about God, Judy responded. Any response? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. That he's the same to them as he is to us, said Judy. Other questions? inquired Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Just about, I was curious. I kept asking about the animal. And they found it insulting, I guess, by the way they responded that to sacrifice an animal is nothing compared to what I would bring, you know, the knowledge they gain from it. Okay, Judy, just picture yourself now standing there in the craft with the occupants and talking with them, asking them questions about their purpose, the purpose of operating on the calf. The reason they're here, describe the impressions you have about their responses. About the purpose of operating on the craft, the purpose of being their conducting tests. They appear insulted that I would even question even their own reason for doing this. This has made me feel a little bad, belittling me, I guess. As if their purpose is important? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy, more important than a single little calf. And they tell you that the purpose is to understand more about this poisoning? More about this pollution? Yes, replied Judy. Do they say what happens? What the symptoms of the poisoning are? No, but it's in the soil. So soon it will. It will be very soon, according to them. It will be found through human excretions. I see, responded Dr. Theo Sprinkle. So they're saying this pollution, this poisoning, is continuing right now. Yes, replied Judy. Do they say the source of the pollution? Man, I don't know. What kind of activities do humans engage in? To cause this poisoning, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I know one thing. They related and they were very empathetic about it. That the testing, even though it's in outer space, has an effect on this here. Testing, inquired Dr. Leo Sprinkle. What kind of testing? I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. I didn't know they tested in outer space. Evidently they do. Okay, what other kind of communication is conducted? What else do they say to you? That testing underwater will also have a great effect. That it will, if it's continued, will cause some kind of a chemical reaction when it comes into contact with another compound. I don't know if it's that bright will cause a chemical change and it will cause a change in the consistency of solidity as we know it. Solidity of matter? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, there's a lot involved. More than just pollution. Okay. Anything else? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Then a pause. Judy responds with that they've been Judy brings her hands up to her face. Wipe it off. No nothing, she responds. They've been... Go ahead, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know, responded Judy. Just let yourself focus in on it. Let yourself be aware, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They've been testing. They've been here for quite some time, and they test soil as well as water. 
as well as on our animal life and vegetation. I question why they aren't saying more and why they can't stop it if they're so knowledgeable and they get angry. I don't know. I don't understand that. You don't know why they get angry, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know why. I don't know why they get angry. And I don't know why they can't stop it. If they're so knowledgeable. You ask them about that, and they don't reply, or they do reply. They reply that it doesn't provide an answer to me. And they say that I'm not knowledgeable enough that I'm immature, that I haven't reached maturity. Do they say what maturity might mean? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, replied Judy. Do they say why you are permitted to be there? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Only that I was allowed to see it because I happened to stumble upon it, and that I would not remember. I remember them laughing, that I would not recall it anyway. We then begin a new section, but continuing on to the environmental factor. And so the monitoring or checking is going on, inquired Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. And will it continue to go on? Yes, replied Judy. Do they say what will happen if the poisoning gets to a certain level, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. There will be nothing to eat and nothing to drink, and people will starve and die, replied Judy. Do they say what kind of symptoms will be observed? It will show up very soon. There is that human beings are being poisoned, and it will be proven. We will see it. A doctor will. And it will show up in the laboratory. And there will be another kind of sickness breakout. And it will be related to some kind of chemical that's in our water. Do they say what kind of symptoms will be observed? Inquired Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, just that there will be a large number affected at one time. Like a large number of people being killed and we won't know what? Yes. But then... They will find out, replied Judy. Anything else that was told to you about what might happen? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. That this would be a warning. And when this happens, there needs to be a cleansing process. Whatever this is that's going to be found, it will be isolated. And found the doctors will isolate whatever the specific chemical is and there will have to be a way of writing it and not using it any longer. Do they say what kind of cleansing process? No, just a cleansing process. Okay. Any other information which is given to you? No, replied Judy. Okay. Now continue the sequence of events, seeing yourself moving on beyond the laboratory. What happens next? It seems like the calf was dropped. As the craft moves, I feel I'm being pulled back to the car. Shortly after this, Judy finds herself once again standing by the car, unaware of what has just previously taken place. But the light nearby still remains and even follows their car on the way home. Then other family members join them from the house to observe the light source, not knowing what it was, and questioning it. At that point, Dr. Leo Sprinkle then asked Judy where her daughter is. That question opens up an entirely new dimension of her experiences. Slowly going through her experiences, she realized that her daughter could not be accounted for. Prolonged questioning from Dr. Leo Sprinkle bring Judy back into the craft. After some emotional resistance, she became aware that her daughter was also bored in a separate room. Okay. 
Just let yourself relax deeply now. Let yourself relax and just picture yourself driving along. You see everybody in the car. Sydney's on the left. What happens next? asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I just can't remember. I remember seeing the light and pulling over, but I can't remember. Cindy's there. One minute and then she's gone the next. I, and I can't bring it out. Okay, let yourself go to the ship. Go to the craft. Let yourself be aware of what's happening next. You can be aware of where Cindy is. There's a long pause from Judy. I know I have a feeling of fear, she said. Okay, let yourself go through the experience. Let yourself go through the fear. What impressions come to your mind? I just visualize her on a, a table. Okay, what happens next? asked Dr. Viosbrink. Judy starts pounding her hands on the arm of the chair and cries out loud. I'm afraid they're going to do to her what they did to the animal. And she begins to sob. Let yourself relax deeply, said Dr. Leo Spring. Judy flings her head up and opens her eyes, looking angrily at Dr. Sprinkle. She then yells out, No, I don't want to. You can tolerate and then is cut off by Judy's yelling again. No, I can't. You know it's all right. Just let yourself go on through. Just relax deep. You know that everything is going to be okay. You can see Cindy on the table. What happens next? I'm just afraid they're going to hurt her. Still crying with tears streaming down her face. You're afraid. But you let yourself go ahead. Let yourself go through the experience. Let yourself be aware. Let yourself relax deeply. You can be aware of what happens next, said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. There again is a long pause, with her hand over her eyes. They put her to sleep, I guess. Dr. Leo Sprinkle then just sighs in relief. The Judy continues. Okay, they put her to sleep. What's happening now? They're just examining her, I guess, and as she begins to cry more. But I'm so afraid that they're going to cut her or something. Do you say anything, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They don't listen. They just ignore me and just go about their work as if it's nothing. They don't seem to have any emotions. They don't seem to care. I thought they were going to harm her. If they were going to do to her what they did to that animal. But they don't harm her, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. No, replied Judy. No. Okay. What does happen, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They just take some samples from her. What kind of samples, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I don't know. Just scrapings. Like... They go inside her mouth. I can see her lying there. And they just kind of scrape little pieces off. Judy's hands move up to her opened mouth. As if she had utensils and scraping the inside of her cheeks for a demonstration. Any other samples? Dr. Leo Sprinkle asks. That's all I can remember, replied Judy. Okay, doing fine. Just let yourself relax. Let yourself be aware of what happens next. They reassure me that she's going to be alright. But I don't believe them. They tell you everything's going to be alright, but you don't believe them? Said Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I just don't. I feel like maybe they want to be left alone. You know? They were very busy doing their work really quickly. I thought maybe they just considered that I, like, they would 
use an animal just for the good of mankind or something, but I didn't want to... But I didn't want them using her. And I was afraid they wouldn't understand. And I couldn't make them understand. I tried to tell them, but they wouldn't listen. They just went about their work. They didn't have any emotion or feeling. They couldn't seem to understand why I would even be upset. Just like it was routine, replied Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes. Business for them? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Like a laboratory animal or something. And you were frightened and worried? Everything's okay. Let yourself just relax. Let yourself go through the experience. What happens next? Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. They just kind of do all kinds of things. They're working very quickly and it seems like they're hustling about. Okay, Judy, it's a difficult experience. But let yourself go through the experience now. And see yourself standing there and looking at the table. You see Cindy. And you see men working quickly and efficiently. Let yourself go on through the experience. Let yourself see what happens next. I try to stop them. I try to interrupt them. But they just ignore me. And somehow they cut me off to where I couldn't see anymore. I don't know how they did it. And I couldn't get to where they were at. But they assured me that she would be okay. So somehow you're not able to see what happens next. Right. As if there's more... More examination going on. Asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes, replied Judy. Do they say what is happening? No. Just that they more or less give me assurance that she'll be fine. But it's not enough. I still feel... You're still worried? Interrupts Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Yes. Apprehensive. Okay. What happens next? I don't know. I get back in the car, and I don't even remember her being there. It's almost like they changed my thoughts. Or my head. Or something around to where I didn't remember her even being with us. And you drive back home, asked Dr. Leo Sprinkle. And Judy responds, yes. Now let's give a bit of a breakdown of this fascinating case. And one of the issues I have is she waited seven years and then underwent hypnotic regression. And it wasn't because she had PTSD. So no flashbacks, any of that stuff. It was because of the missing time. The missing time bothered her. So I kind of get that, but that's not usually what pushes the person to go get hypnotic regression done. Now another thing I noticed is that her brother-in-law thought it might be a helicopter. Could it have been? very possible. What did the other people think that were in that vehicle? Now, I believe the implication of this was that they were shut off somehow. And another part of that is, so they came to get her daughter and abduct her daughter, but mistakenly grabbed Jude. That's a little odd really doesn't make sense to me. And this bi-locational experience. Let's take a look at that. So nowadays people may go to the woo-woo with that, right? They took the soul, your body was at the car, but your soul was up in the spacecraft. If that's what you're thinking, I gotta tell you, I highly doubt that. So I'm going to give you a couple possibilities on that. Now that's one scenario, although I would put that lowest on the totem pole. So these beings can 
interact with us telepathically, allegedly, right? How do you know that you're not seeing through their eyes? Could they let us see that? Them staring out a window looking down at you at your car? That's possible. It's a little out there for me, but you know what? If we're taking into account telepathy and considering that is a real thing, then I would have to think that's a possibility. And that sounds much better to me than saying that they took the soul of the person or the consciousness of that person. It's also very important to note that they didn't take her around the ship, they didn't do experiments on her, but they simply told her things. Again, an environmental message and things like that. How odd. Does that mean that her soul was taken and they were explaining to her on the craft? No. Quite frankly, it could be being explained to her down below. She can hear it and she can see through their eyes. That's quite possible, rather than a soul being taken. Now, this is very similar to a case I heard from our favorite demonologist, Nathaniel Gillis. In a book, Beyond UFOs, he talks about a case of a little boy who was about to be abducted and saw the eyes, through the eyes of the occupant or the craft, coming to his house and he was able to witness himself. Again, these same reasons apply to that. It does not mean that they are taking your soul or your consciousness. One big argument I have is, why do we have to assume that because something is more technologically advanced, therefore it means that they are more spiritually advanced? Therefore they know everything about consciousness, they can take it out of your body, they can lift you up, they can take your soul, they can throw it in a box. I believe that's an utterly ridiculous argument. And we've covered this before, but people will say, well, what about the dead with them? How do you know they're not just making you see those very things to make it easier upon you? Much as like the case in Dr. Carla Turner's book, Taken, as well as many other examples of exaggerations within abductions to make it either easier for you to go with them and comply or scare the shit out of you and make you do it. Either way, it gets the job done, and there are cases of both. Now, I should specify before, you know, I mean, I've already been pretty skeptical about this case. And I think I should point out some very good things about it, right? That actually hold up. Now again, the catastrophic warning, the environmental issues. A very interesting one is the high-pitched speed and sound, the sing-song sound of how they spoke. That's not the first time I've heard that. Especially considering this case is from 1973 and I hear a lot of modern cases like that. Not a large number, but a couple, and it's good enough for me. That's at least some kind of commonality. Now again, this is in 1973, and we also look at Kim Carlsberg's book, Beyond My Wildest Dreams, and on the front cover, we see an alien with the cat-like pupil. Which is extremely interesting. That could mean nothing, but, you know, that is another commonality. Not often reported, but it is out there. But there is a couple issues I did find, and a couple issues I have with Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Now I respect Dr. Leo Sprinkle, and I know this is going to piss off a couple people, but you know, it's just facts. We have to get them out there. Now first, Dr. Leo Sprinkle indeed kind of leads her, in my opinion, in a couple different times. He asks about buttons and panels. And he also tells her, like guiding her almost, about looking at something almost like a picture. Freeze framing it and taking a look at it. 
Now, one example of this issue is when he's asking about the clothing, and she says gray, I guess, the bodysuit. But she doesn't have a clear memory of it. Because of that one statement, I guess, in there. You don't know whether they're, it's gray, it's black. What do you mean, I guess? So you can pause the picture. You can have the abductee stop and pause the picture and look around it. And she can't figure out whether it's gray or black. And I know that's a little nitpicky. But the fact of the matter is, let's say I'm going through that experience. I'm taking in every single thing I can. I'm going to pause it. I'm going to look at this. I can tell you now they'd get freaking irritated with me. Because that's exactly what I would do. But again, I find it odd that she can pause it, but she can't see little details like that. Now, there was another issue I had. And that's where her daughter was. If she wasn't there, how can she be aware of where her daughter was? What I mean is, if she's not in the room with her daughter, which prior to, she had issues finding out where her daughter was. And then says, I visualize her on a table. The term visualize was right there. I think that's a big issue. You shouldn't be visualizing anything. You let these experiences happen. You don't visualize you don't ask leading questions, you say, where's the daughter? If she can't be found, you talk to the daughter. If she's a little girl at the time, you wait until she gets older or something. You don't have to keep pushing and making somebody visualize something, alright? Because that right there muddies up the data pool. You just led a person. I don't mean to go off on Dr. Leo Sprinkle, but right there, I would have taken a note and said, okay, so she said to me she's visualizing. She's not seeing it. She's visualizing it. Prior to, she didn't know where her daughter was. Now she does. Well, again, a little nitpicky, but, but here's my biggest problem with Dr. Leo Sprinkle. In this, she was having a very hard time. There is a point when you say, okay, let's stop for now, and you try again another day. So when an abductee is crying to you, sobbing, very upset because it has to do with her daughter, let's say she believes this. What she did, she brought herself out of hypnosis by opening up her eyes and flipping out on him a little bit, just with a death stare. There is a point when you don't push the abductee to keep continuing, just to get information. Where does the therapist begin and the researcher begin? The two have to be separated. You can be both, but they can't be at the same time. So at one point, when you're going through these sessions, you need to care about the abductee and what they're going through and try to get them through the trauma. You don't sit there and press them for information when they're bawling. Now, I don't mean to go off on Dr. Leo Sprinkle. I know a lot of people love him, and I know he cares. But right here, he fucked up big time. Now, that's just a couple things I learned from this case. I do have a huge issue with hypnotic regression. I don't necessarily buy it. Actually, I really don't know what to make of it. The fact of the matter is, I've heard some very convincing evidence and very convincing regression tapes from non-leading questions. Well, the Betty and Barney Hill case is a great example. Whitley Strieber. I've listened to bits and pieces of his regression. Great example. Even in Debbie Cobble's case, I found it very convincing. In this case, not so much. So, to wrap this up, I really don't know what to make of it. There are some commonalities with alien abductions. 
but does that necessarily mean this woman was abducted? I don't recall ever hearing about her abductions before this incident. So I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Personally, I don't know if I believe it. I see a lot of issues with the questioning, and I see a lot of issues with her responses. But I also see a lot of commonalities. And then I see some things that go against that. So I'm a little torn. Now, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank the ghoulies for Hot Rods from Outer Space. I ask that you please share and review my podcast. Again, I only have one up there. Again, thank you, Catmom120. Everybody else, come on. Constructive criticism or other. That's fine with me. Just give me some kind of feedback. We're almost on episode number 50 now which is freaking awesome. And I want to thank you guys for taking this journey with me. Now, today's episode was a pain in the ass. I was expecting just to do another UFOs and the paranormal one. And then I went down a rabbit hole in this case. So, of course, I had to do something special for you guys. Until next time, I hope you guys keep an eye on this guy. Remember the UFOs want to tell you something. Alright, keep kicking it. <laughs>